And I do think, just to reminder of what I said last week, I think I said this episode could make or break the show. Yes, I agree. I absolutely because agree. as I said, I didn't. I see my least liked scenes were the one with Spock and Tupring from the first episode, and the one with um, yeah, Pike and random one night stand or five night stand or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, so I have to say they really by embracing the humor of it. Yep, they they really uh, knocked think- it out of the park to use a tired metaphor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to, or welcome back to, in Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts, and I am Ethan, another one of your hosts. And this week, we will be discussing episode five, Spock Amok. This is directed by Rachel Leiterman, and this is interesting. She's known for directing um, Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome. Man in the High Castle, it's a great show, but also some Caprica. So you have the Ronald D. Moore connection, which is great. And it's written by the co-show runner, Henry Alonso Myers. And then a novelist, Robin Wasserman, which is pretty pretty nice. I like when they bring novelists in on this. We saw how great. They've used novelists on Picard in the past. Take 30 seconds. Which one was Blood and Chrome again? That was the, the short series, right? That was debuted online. Blood and Chrome was well. That's a good question. I think Blood and Chrome was the there were like one six... where we see things from the perspective of the um, the Cylons. Because weren't those? They were like six... nope. You're right. This is Young William Adama. This is the the spin-off like... thing that never took off. There were yeah. like six minute episodes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That um, never really took off. That's yeah. too bad. It's too bad. But. But a good pedigree um, you know, there, because that's a... A very good pedigree. Yeah, I never saw Caprica, though. Never watched that one. It was cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. A little weird, but cool. As was this episode of Strange New Worlds, I realized, if you can believe this, this is episode five. We're halfway through the season already. Bad face. I know. Really sad face. It's going by so fast. I need 20 episodes. I need 26 episodes. I don't even care if half of them aren't good. I need 26. I need to be right. with this crew for 26 episodes. I understand. I just think, But like, I do think that they're packing in a lot. Right. You know what it is? I think... Can you Can you guys just give us like... I'm not saying it's easy. Can you give us like four or five more? Because it's so <laughs> frustrating to wait a whole year for just 10 hours, right? And I'm sure, you know, the blood, sweat, tears, it's all thrown into it on this one. But <sighs> yeah, well, hey, we've yeah. been waiting 20 years for Obi-Wan Kenobi and we're getting six hours. Yeah, but I will say it is it is better when I think you have a show when a season ends or even when the show ends you leave the audience saying, I wish they had done more. Why? I want them to do more. You know, you don't. That's true. Yeah. So it's. You don't want to feel like, oh, man, I, I wish that ended four episodes ago. Right. Which I um, have about other things. Yes. 
Maybe, maybe when Discovery is over, which I think they said it was. Is it after next season? Is that confirmed? It's not confirmed, but it's, what's is confirmed okay. is that there are going to be 10 episodes. Okay, well, that could yeah. free up a lot of budget since that's probably the most expensive show. They do more episodes, and maybe they could add some more episodes to Strange New Worlds. Maybe they didn't fully believe in it yet, and now they'll see how much people are responding. I think it's possible we get more. I think they're actually reducing the episode number of some of these shows because they want to have, they want it to run all year. And so, what do you have? Five shows now? 52 weeks out of the year. If you do 10, the math kind of works. So maybe just having them one. I don't, I don't know that they like having them overlap, I guess is my point. So, like, hmm. I think you can do 10 each. And then if you have them all air consecutively in one year, then that's 50 weeks and... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, but nonetheless, Spock Amok, which is a sort of somewhat of a prequel to Amok Time, one of the most classic original series episodes of all time. You, mm -hmm. you, and I were talking about this episode a few days ago after it aired, and let me actually see if I still have it um, because I always, as listeners probably know, we always check in with each other before we. Uh, after like a day or two after the episode's airs to kind of get a sense of what um how we feel. So we do save the best for y'all. You we don't said go too deep. You said you liked it much. <laughs> Great use of the word hijinks. But then I spoke to you on the phone and then you were very but you were very um you were pretty enthusiastic about it. It was great use of the word hijinks. The first time I heard it, yeah. I chuckled. The second time, I laughed. Well, it's, I think because a Vulcan is saying it, and it just seems so... And it's just, yeah. it's not a word that's used. Yeah. And I associate it with always, and I even wrote it here in my notes, I wrote sitcom hijinks. I want to hear a Vulcan say Malaki. I just want to hear them do more sitcom hijinks. Maybe yeah. next time Spock sees um, uh, to bring, he has to have... Oh, Nurse Chapel, put a little uh, receiver in his ear and tell him what to say. Yep. You know, some more sitcom hijinks. Every time he sees her, I, I hope it's sitcom hijinks. I, we'll get to it in more detail, but I'm just going to say, first off, when they had that scene of Spock and T'Pring, the body switching, mm -hmm. I, lower decks aside, genuine laughter at that scene. Like, And that's not happened in a live-action Trek show for quite some time. Um, it was very, yeah. it was, it just, it was really, really funny. The awkwardness it was, was just, was fantastic. Yeah. So the performances were quite good yeah. from, um, Spock as Supreme calling Pike Chris and then realizing that's kind of inappropriate and then getting kind of awkward about it. Yeah. It was very fantastic. Well and then yeah. even Pike's reaction of like, well, I wish I could let you get back to whatever this is, but right. we have something to deal with. Right. Right. And that's, and I think that's where the sitcom thing comes in a little bit it's like it happened oh but shit now they actually have to do something that requires spock and to to be at their places respectively and they have to kind of um you know role play this whole thing as them you know yes it, it, you know what it reminds me of a sitcom the 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 sit some reason the sitcom trope where you've got like two dates on the same night and you have one in one room and one in the other room and you gotta try to go back and forth and act like Everything's normal. You, it's like you're describing an episode of Three's Company. You just see Jack. I think I am. <laughs> I think I'm describing an episode of most 70s and 80s sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the episode opened up uh, in a dream sequence with Spock on Vulcan. 
in a very familiar setting with some very familiar music doing some, doing a very familiar thing. Of course, this is what we saw in A Mock Time. But what I really liked about it, there were many things about it I liked, but I think what I found the most intriguing was I liked how, because the idea of the scene is that Spock's having a dream about his inner conflict between his Vulcan self and his human self. And I like that they chose to represent that in this way. I thought that was a very mm -hmm. interesting way of, of doing that. Yeah, I thought it was a very almost simple and obvious. And you think, oh, duh, what a great thing. Right. Um, but how great, how very, very effective and simple, right? Keep it simple. Well, and I think also because they played the famous music from a mock time of mm -hmm. Kirk and Spock fighting each other. And, you know, that has been parodied so many times. In fact, I think I saw the parodies before I saw the actual episode. Um, <laughs> So I felt like it ran the risk of being a little silly and yet it worked so well. The mm -hmm. music I, sounded the same. It was slightly updated, right? But it still mm -hmm. worked very, very, very well. I think they did something very brilliant. By making it a dream, it was able to cross over into silliness or weird surrealist moments. And I think that's what saved it. And I do think, just to remind her what I said last week, I think I said this episode could make or break the show. Yes, I agree. I absolutely Because agree. as I said, I didn't, I seem, my least liked scenes were the one with Spock and T'Pring from the first episode and the one with um, yeah. Hike and Random One Night Stand or Five Night Stand or whatever. Uh -huh. uh, so I have to say, they really by embracing the humor of it yep they they really uh knocked think, it out of the park to use a tired metaphor i think it's two things it it didn't feel forced right but also think about the placement of the episode okay this is episode five we've already spent four episodes with the crew and i've already gotten a good sense of who they are i said to you when we were talking about this the other day that when Lower Decks came back for season two, I was just happy to be with these characters again, right? And I said, a few weeks ago, I said, I think Strange New Worlds is heading in that direction. And I said to you, I said, I think they crossed that threshold with me last week. So for me, I just want to be with the characters now. And they feel very fleshed out, very established. I'm sure there's, you know, there's obviously a lot more to learn about them. But I think they chose a good... If they had done this in the second episode, I don't even... you know. I'm sure it still would have been fine, but I don't know if it would have you know, landed quite as hard as this one. As, uh, and it would have run the risk of immediately relying on too much on the original series. Correct, right. So I think placing it in this spot in the season, right, sort of in the middle, um, I think that contributed to it working very well. Because we've already got four hours behind the crew and don't forget we've already got we have more than that with spock number one and pike but um it still it still worked very very well for me well we've got a hell of a lot more with spock well i mean this spock this right. particular well, spock yeah but yeah i agreed. yeah yeah um another thing about the dream sequence so i i was really hoping that they would use this sort of we talked about it before, the backgrounds of the original series, of how you just kind of had the lights on the background. Yeah. 
And while we did not get that, I think we got the closest we could ever get, but so well executed. Yeah. That it embraced a lot of the things that were seemingly super weird about yeah. uh, a mock time. You've got the weird shield shaped tambourines that everyone has. Spock's cut them in his quarters too. Yeah. And you have the uh, the shield shaped gong. Yep. And instead of just having the red sky, I, I assume that this was that um high def screen. The ARY, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, they just had a, sort of had a red cloud situation, which it, right. it just looked... It was such a perfect update of the original series without yeah. straying very far at all. Well, and it also... Before we began recording, I was telling you that when they remastered the original series, with a mock, with a, when they got to a mock time, they kind of... They added some establishing shots of this particular location. You see that it's on this great mountain, pretty high up. And Kirk, Spock, and McCoy have to cross this sort of natural formed bridge to get there. And while you don't see much around them, it's like it looks like it's in like some big great valley, right? It still felt like they kind of retained that look. Like I still thought they're on top of a you know, a high a high mountain, right? They're perched on the top of a high mountain, so yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned because I was going to say really quick, you know, this show has made exceptional use of the AR wall, right? Mm-hmm. But they've done it so much better than Discovery has, right? Discovery, I can tell where it is. It's like it's there, and this has got some set in front of it. Like it's very clearly yes. defined as to where it is. This mm-hmm. one feels far more immersive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this is the just, first time yeah. I noticed it. But I think it was appropriate yeah. because because it was mirroring the original series. In the original right. series, we always knew it was a set wall. Right. But, I mean, the Enterprise engineering set on this show, that is the AR wall, right? Mm, yes. Um, so, but you're right. Like they, like, they could have actually done way more, but they... That's the thing about this, right? And I think it speaks to the idea of the battle with the Gorn, you know? Mm-hmm in the idea to choose submarine warfare, they could have, the technology allowed them to go far beyond that, but they chose not to. They just, they chose to keep it visually simple, which I truly appreciate. Oh, totally agree. And it's interesting. So I don't want to get too much into the special effects, but I do wonder how much it was used here. Was when we saw that great meeting scene later on where the yeah. Enterprise was in the background. I wonder yeah. if that was it. I that, wonder that if... It. That is it. Yeah. That is it. And then on the, um, on the walking on the saucer. Yep. Um, Same. Una and Leana. All they have to that do... Was all they have to do is change what's on the screen and then change... The, the, That's the, got to cut down the cost of making these shows by... Well, a lot, right? I, but, you know, they have to create the... Because f- there is some physical set there as well in front of, of them. Of course. And yeah. someone has to create what's on the screen. But, it, but what it gives them is that... I think what it does is it brings the special effects in earlier as opposed to when they do we used to do a green screen, right? So the actors right. can actually see... Maybe it's not 100% final, but they can actually see what they're reacting to. Right, instead of pretending what's, you know... Star Wars prequels. And their eyes can follow the same... the mm-hmm. You know, the same... They'll have the same eye line. They'll be following the same thing. So that's yes. what that gives you. Um, 
I think the 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 technology is more expensive, but I think but it's but I think it's an investment. That's it's going to save you time exactly. in the long run. You don't have to have people going in and adding right. everything. And I think bit. they probably just go in and clean up the where the reel and the screen meet. And I bit. think and I think you just bring in the effects in the post production stage. You bring them in earlier, right? You might have them ready by the time they go to shoot. You may now have to have them ready by the time they go to shoot. Mm, yeah, right. and it's funny too that it, this is very much going back to you know rear projection. Yeah, the old style of projecting onto a screen, or when you would see films with people in cars and they would right. be just projecting a road going by behind them. Right, and and you know, and I know I said with Discovery, I can tell where it is, but to be fair to Discovery, I mean it was still new at the time. They were still, I'm sure, figuring out how to leverage right. it properly. But I could see where the set ended and the screen began. Yeah. But with Strange New Worlds, I'm sure they learned a lot in using it with Discovery, but with Strange New Worlds, I really can't tell where it is. So It looks great on The Mandalorian also. Yeah. Where I think I first became aware of it. Um, so, but the idea, so the plot behind this episode, truly, I mean, so we pick up, as I suspected, uh, the aftermath of the battle with the Gorn, the Enterprise is back at Starbase 1, getting repaired. So the crew goes on a little bit of shore leave you know and um to kind of relax so everybody kind of goes off and does their own thing but a diplomatic crisis of course arises which i'm sure which i know you always appreciate them having and this show has done quite a lot of them Mm -hmm. yeah I, i mean i say it all the time when you look back at my sort of platonic ideal series which is the next generation Yep. They probably dealt with diplomatic crises as much as they dealt with sciency anomalies or, you know, battle situations. Right. So I, I love a nice diplomatic episode. Right. And we, you know, simultaneously to Pring comes to the Enterprise and her and Spock have some time together. Um, Ortega's mm -hmm. and Nurse Chapel and Dr. Mabenga go off and do their own thing. The real, I think, highlight of the episode, though, was number one and Leon, Nuni, and Singh kind of becoming buddies again. But we learned that, like, you know, number one is a feared first officer. She's where fun goes to die. And I loved their scenes together, particularly when they find out that um, the lower uh, ensigns play what's called Enterprise Bingo and they do all these crazy stunts. And um, I immediately thought to myself, I hope the Lower Deckers do this on Lower Decks. Can we have Cerritos bingo? <laughs> you know? It, was a very, it is actually a very Lower Decks idea. It to you know, you're making me think of something because you and I have watched the show for the last five weeks and we've actually gotten like Lower Decks episode ideas because this show uses the lower decks in some ways where you're like, Oh, I could see that happening on lower decks. Like I could see that from the lower yeah. decks point of view. This and, is the most aligned with lower decks. Right. And you, and, and I mean, lower decks, I mean, dare I say it's becoming our second favorite now because of the show. Is it in danger of falling from that perch? But you know, I could see that what the enterprise, what they're doing on the enterprise happening from the lower decks perspective, like enterprise bingo, that would totally be, Something on the Cerritos. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And Mariner would know, be doing that shit that they were trying to do in the airlock, you know? Yes. Except she would get away with it. 
Of course. Um, yeah, right. She would go right by. The, you know what happened? She would go right by the window when they were having the diplomatic <laughs> meeting, and she would just go right by. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I may have lost my thought, but la 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 la. Oh, um. So there are many of the episodes. Um. There's the Deep Space Nine Tribble episode and whatnot, where you know they have these fantasy crossovers yeah and the only fantasy crossover that i want to see is strange new worlds and lower decks right it could be time travel it could be the holodeck i don't care but they mm -hmm. need to have if those characters ever show up live action the, the lower decks they needs to be with the strange new worlds cast it would be right. hilarious yeah hell you know what just do something crazy make a short trek of it or yes make a, a five a short trek actually that would be right but remember what i said with, have to make sense. Remember what I said with season one of Lower Decks? I said, um, I think we're seeing getting an indication of what the way the show is laid out, the format of the show. I said, I think this is what Strange New Worlds is going to be like. And I feel validated in that because I'd also, I reinforce that by saying that I think these two shows work very well together, right? Um, they just have that same vibe, that same kind of attitude right and i love that you and i have come up like have had lower decks episodes ideas based on what we've seen occur in this episode this episode would 1000 percent be a lower decks episode from the yeah from that point and it would be some girl boimler met and has a date with or he gets swapped with he meets a vulcan right and they get swapped right and he's always freaking out and screaming. The fact that, I mean, what does that tell you about these two shows if you and I can reach this conclusion? If I think it, it tells me that anything. they're both delightful. They're both fun. Um, and I think that they're hitting, they're finding a place, I think, where New Trek works best, which is you got to have a little hot comedy in there. And here's the thing. I believe that the show's always had humor in them. Right. It's just humor has changed a bit, and you know, they, since they've, especially since they've dropped more of the Family Guy quote unquote style, just reference after reference on Lower Decks. I think they've hit on a very good place where you've got compelling stories, characters you like, and jokes. Right. And I think both shows are doing that. One obviously playing up the humor more, but still having. Fine character building and, and fine stories. But and it's still it's still a Star Trek show at the end of the day. It's not just a comedy. I mean, you're telling us Star Trek stories. Right. It's right. not like a silly this is just the silly one where we kinda satir satirize or right. just lampoon right. Star Trek. Um Yeah. So let me yeah, let's talk about this for a second. So Enterprise Yeah, so, so what, one more thing a little oh, bit sure, on that yeah. just on that part. So I think that um Something great that we're getting here. I know I like to call out the small character moments and how they add so much, but um, just seeing everyone's shore leave plan. Benga's going to go fishing and he's a little dorky. He's got his little hat. Yep. He's very excited about it. They kind of give him a hard time. Yep. That was great. Yeah. Um, we got to see... I do think there was... So I, I guess... Mm, there was something a little too modern of chapels modern our modern yeah of chapels whole relationship situations but yeah i th i think maybe that's because i don't know what 
<laughs> that have kind of, I didn't love it. So when she's on shore leave and she's talking to that guy in the bar whose name is escaping me at the moment, me along with some other fans were like, well, why isn't that, why isn't that Roger Corby? Roger Corby is somebody who she was in a relationship with and is uh, primarily featured in the episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? So we were like, where is he? You know, like, well, he's, he's somebody, obviously dating around. He's somebody who had a past relationship. But, but interestingly enough, Akiva Goldsman was tagged on Twitter about this. Like, why isn't this guy Roger Corby? What's going on? And he just, he replied, stand by. Or I also would, here's how I would, I'm glad, but here's how I would reply yeah. to that. I would reply to that. Did you watch the Galdang episode? Yes, that's the other thing. Yeah. Because she talks about how, like, oh, I'm just dating around. I don't want anything serious. I'm not being honest with people. I broke up yeah. because he wanted to get serious. I don't want to get serious yet. It's like it's right there in the episode. I think. But it's, I think. Yeah. This this does bring something up. So this is another example. I think of people just. You want it to be a prequel, but you don't. It's like a. Tr it's more. It's not even an actual complaint or question. It's more like a trivia thing. Like I noticed the thing. Right. So I'm going to tag, I'm going to send you a question about it because I know that the thing, but just watch the episode, man. Well, because you know what it is? It's, it's, you know, and forgive me if I'm kind of getting into a little bit of a haters corner thing here, but like it's, this happened on Twitter and somebody commented like, we always have to clean up the writer's messes. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Watch like, the episode. Right. It's like, oh my God, because you didn't, because it's not what you wanted. That means that they're a shitty writer. Now you're cleaning up their mess. And everything fits fine. Right. She's dating people. She didn't, she has not settled down yet. Right. This, I mean, this can if you go, you find anyone who's married, right? right? Check in on their life five or eight years before they got married. They might be dating around. It doesn't, it's not going to say, oh no, their wife's not in this or their partner's not in this. So this is totally but inappropriate. The thing is, even if it's, it's insane, even if they don't give us Roger Corby, I mean, that's whatever. I don't care. Oh, my God, you didn't tie it into a first season episode of the of the original series because you could have. Yeah, didn't. so she has a boyfriend like eight years later and he's not here right now? Right. This is, what's wrong with right. you? Like, oh, we're running out of time and it needs to be Roger. Like, yeah, how many people had the same, well, you know, how many people that are in, that are like, well, let me put it this way, how many people that are like in their early, mid-twenties yeah. have the same partner that they had five or six years ago? Mm. Probably right. not that many. Right, so... Oh, that's our haters' corner. But if he says stand by and they're gonna do it, if they're gonna do it, then that's fine. It's like you're, you're mad either. that they didn't do it then. Because oh my god! It's like, that's... in other words, like, oh, because she's dating somebody else, that means that it's wrong. <laughs> like, Bro, do they know how dating works? Exactly. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into the track fan stereotype, but <laughs> hey, now I'm a happily married no, man. No, I know, I know, I know. It's it's what people think Trek fans are like. Um, yeah. But no, my favorite. I really enjoyed the scenes with number one and Leon because the two of them are sort of like the, the senior most officers who are still, well, not the senior most, but like they're kind of watching the ship as everybody's on shore leave. So they don't, there's not many people still aboard and they take the opportunity and number one learns that the crew fears her, which I wasn't too surprised. I mean, I could definitely see that. I think that she does have a bit of an imposing, a somewhat imposing, um, you know, vibe about her and i thought to myself yeah if i was a lower deck officer i don't know if i'd really want to yeah and know, pike goes out her. of his way yeah. pike goes out of his way to be warm and uh put people at ease and right. she really doesn't that's a big difference also right right so and she's learning that she's referred to as where fun goes to die 
and it begins to bother her, even though she says that it isn't. So it doesn't. Yeah. So and there's a funny reveal of the nickname too, because the manga's just being a dork. Right. But again, you know, this is what the show is doing well. It's revealing things about the characters through the stories, and I like that we learn this about number one, despite it being something that's very funny, right? Um, because you're right. Like she ha like she has this. She's a very she's extremely skilled officer. You know, Pike even said best first officer in the fleet. She's got all these great qualities that make her an outstanding Starfleet officer, but secretly she's referred to as the person on the ship as where fun goes to die. Yeah. So they need to she needs to investigate this. And of course, you know, they come across some ensigns doing some enterprise what she discovers is called Enterprise Bingo. And mm -hmm. Which we had referenced already, right? In the show, if I'm not mistaken. We did. We did. Yes. Yes. Okay. Ortegas did do Uhura. So I was glad they That's followed, right. I'm glad they followed up on that. But I loved the interrogation scene because they catch these two ensigns in the middle of doing um, Enterprise Bingo and kind of bust them, right? Mm -hmm. And number one and Leon uh, between each other like in, uh, interrogate each ensign. And I like how number one, knowing this information, like where fun goes to die, people are afraid of her, tries to be very warm, offers the ensign a cup of coffee, a Bolian ensign, by the way, and you see Leon being very stern, very strict, even making the other ensign, you know, tear up and, you know, start crying. And um, I liked the intercut, the intercutting between both. That that actually made me laugh a lot, too, the intercutting between um, both of them. And I liked how the scene ended with number one and Leon in the same room. And then number one's like, what the hell is Enterprise Bingo? Yeah, they don't know. Neither one of them knows. Yeah, and I do have one slight issue with the interrogation. So when they arrive at the interrogation rooms, they both want to call bad cop. Right. But then they both go into different rooms. That's not how good cop, bad cop works. It has to be, they have to be in the same room together. Good cop, bad cop is you have one that goes in and they're very mean, and then that one leaves and the nice one comes in and they're more willing to work with the nice one because they don't want to deal with the mean one. So they're talking to the same person, not two Yeah, they talked to yeah. two different people, right. so that wasn't good cop, bad cop. It's a minor thing, but it was a little bit annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they take it upon themselves, and I like how Leon kind of awkwardly suggests them trying Enterprise Bingo. And it cuts to probably one of my favorite montages I've ever seen in all of Trek of them just like trying all of these different things, you know, trying to, uh, what was it, use the transporter to put flavor back into chewing gum, um, mm -hmm. having a phaser fight, a phaser draw in the middle of the hallway. But my favorite was when they, they're on the turbo lift and they both try to yell the next deck, who, who yells it first? And that's uh, that's who wins. Mm. Yeah, that was my favorite one. That was pretty good. I really liked the signing of the Scorch, as they called it. I liked that too. I was trying to see if there were any names on there that I could recognize, but kind of like the Starfleet Memorial Day, I liked the idea of that, that it's the oldest piece of Enterprise hull. Yes. Um, that hasn't been replaced. I, of course, inside my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, how does, <clears throat> do you tell, when you go back to get the ship prepared, do you tell the, drones to specifically not replace that one eventually that thing's gonna fall off probably. right or just by happenstance it has not been it has replaced. not been hit yet yeah yes. going didn't hit that thing you know? yeah i really yeah. liked it and i think that that seemed like a very real thing i wouldn't be surprised if someone involved in it was like in the navy or something and that was a real thing that happened on a ship because right. 
it, it felt very, very real. It would have been cool if it somehow did tie back to um, what eventually comes. But, like, there would have been... That, that's a new idea, so it wouldn't have been able to do that. But, like, if it was somehow able to, like, foresee, like, the enterprise of the of the original oh, series yeah. of the film. Like, if they were able I guess to... Yeah. But how, the only how thing do you for do that, the, right? No. The only thing for the past would be you could have seen Robert April have had signed it, I guess. Right. Right. Being the former captain. But I don't know if captains can do this, though. Does Pike even know that that's there is the question I have. Right. Yeah. Right. So what are your thoughts on the um, the diplomatic crisis that we're having to deal with? We don't see too much of it. But Pike, of course, is called upon. Pike, by the way, who's wearing the green tunic, that wraparound that Kirk used mm -hmm. to wear. Another fantastic update from the original series. Yeah, leather. It looked a little silly in the original series. It looked fine here. It looked very normal, very much. I think it was used to kind of hide Shatner's then growing gut. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think he only wore it twice. Draw the attention upward yeah. of it. Yeah. I think he only wore it in The Enemy Within and The Doomsday Machine. I don't think he wore it any other time. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it makes sense that there would be a variation on the uniform yeah. shirt. And I, I just think it looked great. Right. It really did. And the, the, I like the green, too. It was a better green. It was and it looked a, like it was leather. It looked like they turned it in. It made it out of yeah, leather. Yeah, it sort of over the shoulders and down the sleeve was leather. The rest right. of it seemed to be fabric. Right. Um, which was very nice touch. I but guess. we saw the return of Robert April again, uh, you know, to kind of address this diplomatic crisis. Uhura is there f through the whole thing as well. So that's kind of what Uhura is doing this week. Um, mm -hmm. I liked this diplomatic And I liked the way Pike kind of resolved it in the end what he sort of thought he did it on a hunch and i like yes. how it turned out in the end it was great and i really liked of the second viewing i was able to see it a little better right and um so they said empathy is a hallmark of our people few understand that and i think that was the kind of clue drop that helped him to get there through his observations I do have a question about this, though. So one of the options they said, if they don't deal with us, they're going to ally with the Klingons. Yep. Did the Klingons do normal diplomacy like this? Um, not... I can't think of a time we've really seen it. Um, yeah. Which isn't to I say guess if it's, it's necessarily the, wrong. It's just... Yeah, we haven't seen it. I mean, you know, to give you an idea... I, not to say that it's a continuity error, but like, you know, some say the Klingon, they've said Klingons don't send out distress calls. Well, they, Klingons have <laughs> sent out distress calls. That's where the Enterprise C came to rescue them and got, and ended up getting destroyed, right? So there's, there's yeah. some contradicting things about them. I just think, yeah. you know, but I, I have see to them. imagine, I can't imagine the Klingons just go to war with everybody. Right. Yeah, they have and to I have a diplomatic core. And they did start as sort of a Cold War analogy, and the Cold War was much about diplomacy, right. as much about diplomacy as it was about. I mean, Star Trek Six is all about Klingon. Star Trek Six is all about Klingon diplomacy, right? But you right, know, but I've never seen them actively trying to get allies instead of conquering people. So that was just a question right, I had. It didn't right. bother me. Yeah, um, but it, didn't you find it to be very um, of today, though? Like, I know it was written about a year ago, but it kind of reminded me of. And maybe this goes back to the Cold War analogy. It was Ukraine having to choose to ally with Russia or NATO. Like, that's kind of what it... Or, like, a, maybe maybe not Ukraine specifically, but, like, a former Soviet republic who has to choose sides, right? 
that's is torn between you know allying with Russia or NATO. Like that's kind of how I looked at it. I don't know if that's intentional. I just think that given what's going on in the world today, it definitely felt like it was very of today, of what's going on today. So yeah, yeah. In one way, um, Starfleet is being a little short-sighted because they seem to only. They seem to not be giving them a choice of like you can just do your own thing too. That's fine, you right. know. It's just you're well, you're either siding with us or you're siding with them, which actually is very much a Cold War type mentality where it's like right. well, you're either with us or you're against us, or a war on terror mentality. And isn't that interesting? Because the Cold War, I mean, the Cold War as it existed then, doesn't exist now. And oh, you, spec, baby. Well, but you would think that they would maybe take a little bit more modern spin to it, but they still sort of did it as if we're in Cold War 1960s Earth, you know? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Just, that's just kind of how it seems to me. Yeah, I mean, that idea that either you're you're going to side with us or you're going to side with them, that very much reminded me of Cold War because that's that was the mentality. Right. Um, I do really like how <laughs> it's interesting. This was a situation where I wasn't able to figure it out but I was also very satisfied when the character figured it out, and I didn't feel like I had just been mm, had it withheld from me for no reason. The fact of how their diplomacy works. So I, so I think what I'm saying is it was very well written the way it was all resolved when he realized that you had to just sort of reflect back to them their own feelings so that they felt validated and heard and seen. Right. And the best part about that, which we always love is that it reinforces the theme between Spock and T'Pring about understanding each other in a relationship and seeing things from the other person's perspective. Right. Yeah. They went a little early discovery season four there with using that theme across more yes. than one story. Yeah. Very well done. And, yeah. and interestingly, we also kind of got the, um, the alternate version when we heard chapel at the end say, um, she doesn't want to essentially, she was saying she doesn't want to be empathetic or honest with anyone. Because then it's going to lead to something real, and that's not what she wants. Right. Although she was being honest with Spock, and I think we're, we're intentionally being, yeah, getting at hinted at. Yeah. You know, some I think the same Twitter thread. Some took issue with the fact that, like, and this is so specific, oddly specific, right? But it's not surprising. Some took issue with the fact that Nurse Chapel met to Pring, and the reason I say this is because when you skip ahead to a mock time. And to Pring comes on the view screen. It's when nobody knows what's wrong with Spock and, you know, why he has to get home to Vulcan. They're not sure why. And when she shows up on screen and he says, she's my wife. And it cuts to everybody's reaction. Like, oh, my God, you have a wife? Somebody was like, because nobody at that point was supposed to really know who she is. And somebody's like, well, the rea Christine Chapel's not reacting like somebody who wouldn't know that. And it's like... All right. Well, here's another it's a thing. facial expression. Didn't, she didn't. She, here's yeah. a question. Though. Let's say she did. The fact that she's his wife. Right. Because yeah. are they married at the end of this episode? No. No. Not, yeah. Right, exactly. So it's like imagine you have no two people and they're dating, and all of a sudden one day they show up and they're like, "Oh, meet my wife." You'd be like, "Wait, what?" Right. Last time I saw you, exactly. they were your girlfriend. Like they think that Chapel's reacting to. Oh my good lord, man! To, they were really stretching play. it here. And it's like, they just are looking so no. hard for something to complain about. There's nothing that says Chapel couldn't know who she is. They're all react. They're not. I said by the way, they're not all reacting to, to Pring. 
they're reacting to she's my wife. What? Yes. And, yeah. and I, th I would think Chapel. When did you guys get married? Like that well, kind of it, it speaks to what you're saying. I would think Chapel has more cause to react that way because it's like, wait a minute, I've known you, I've known you two for so long. You didn't somehow, tell me, and I somehow missed yeah. this. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know about this. You didn't this. tell me you got married, right? Asshole, right? Slap him across the face, you know, like so. Yeah, that's a dick and move. Is, and this is what I'm saying to people who I say to these people, I'm like, you guys are really, really, like, really scraping the bottle of the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah, if you're worried about a reaction shot from right. Right. Uh, season two episode of the original series, right, and that's why you're not enjoying Strange New Worlds, then yeah, you you're really you don't want to this enjoy. Is the Strange same New person who said we have to clean up their mess. <laughs> Like, no, you're watching... Can we show. have them on the podcast? This person? Yeah. Oh, God, that would be ugly. It's like, you're watching this show looking for mistakes. You're, well, you're, you're waiting that... for them to fail. So you can say, see, I told you they hate Star Trek. They don't know what they're doing. It's, it's more of a game. That's why I say it's more of a game or a puzzle where it's like, yeah. I recognize the thing that's mildly off from this other thing and they want to jump. It's like... They're trying to hit the buzzer, like, I guess this is wrong. Right. And they jump in a little too quick sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's so easier nowadays to find the answer to, to that, you know? So, well, I mean, I think all the answers are right there in the episode if they would just watch it. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's, you can, you know, it's not like you're dealing with a show in the 60s where you can, you can't watch it until it's aired, right? Like, you can watch oh, the yeah. episode anytime you want. You can go online and find out these facts. Like, it's very easy. Yeah. To... But I think even all these complaints are like, just watch the episode. Right. She's dating. She just said she's dating around. She doesn't know what she wants yet. But she's not ready to be, she's not ready to settle down and be committed. But you know what it is? A lot of these complaints come from a place where it's. If the show didn't mention this before, then it can't exist. It, it's it's that it's that sort of attitude. This is this is where that comes from. I see. And that's so it's like, what... dude, Nurse Chapel. They never mentioned that Nurse Chapel dated anyone, so that can't be. Well, that's what, right. It's pretty extreme. It's pretty extreme. Well, anybody other than Doctor Corbin. Yeah, that's pretty extreme. I hope that. Um, I wish them peace in life, and I hope that they can. I don't. <laughs> chill and enjoy the episode. I don't. Um, you get what's coming to you, man. Um, now. For me, one of the highlights of the episode, maybe the highlight of the episode, even though I said number one in Leon's thing I liked the most, but the Spock into Pring body switching, which I thought was just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The sitcom hijinks. And perfectly awkward. Perfectly awkward. Yes, they kept messing up who they are yeah. or being too familiar with people they're not supposed to know. Right works so well. And of course as a result of the you know, not as a result, but of course it happens just as each one of them is needed to do something very important. That only they can do. That only they can do. Yeah. That only they There's can do. A little do. bit of a conceit, but right. I'm But you know what well. it was? I, I was laughing really hard at like Ethan Peck like raising his voice a little bit, standing there like to pring with his two hands, you know, like this. Like he was really getting mm -hmm. that. And a character, by the way, who we've only known for really one episode mm -hmm. prior to this one, right? And yet, for some reason, I'm like, I totally buy that he's playing Daddy's Tupring, even though I don't know Tupring really yet. 
but yes. I'm still I'm convinced you've convinced me that <laughs> that you're doing mm-hmm. spring. Yeah. And even though they're both Vulcan, there was still just a little softness to the way he was speaking, just a tiny little bit. Right. Because obviously Vulcans still have gender roles to some degree. Right. But the thing was, um, they did not lose their Vulcanness, right? They were able to carry it just fine. But they just it was but like you knew these, who was who. You knew who was it was just it was just these slight tweaks that they just had to make. And I can't, you know, I can't imagine what a challenge that would be for them as actors. I mean, I thought they pulled it off very well, but I can't imagine that oh, would have yeah. been easy, you know. Uh, or it was, could have been very fun too. Could have been very fun, yeah. And I did check out the actress of um, to Pring and. She's fantastic, by the way. She's done a bunch of Canadian stuff. Yeah. She's a Canadian. Um, That's where they film the show, so. Interestingly, also, she's a Sikh. Hmm. Um, so, just an interesting religion, and it's not that many Sikhs in the world. I thought Because she... I was trying to see who the original actress was. The original actress was a... She was an Eastern European... Her family was Eastern European Jewish immigrants. Interesting. I think she's. Yeah. I think she plays a great Vulcan. They've they've done a really good job casting Vulcans on these shows. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I do think she looks enough like the original actress. She does. And she it's does. interesting. I read about the original actress, and apparently, because of the way she looked and her ability to do accents, and she had like a little darker skin, she was cast as all different ethnicities. Because that's what they used to do in Hollywood. If someone had a little darker skin, they'd be like, "All right, so you're going to be a." You yeah. know, yeah, Latina this week, and you're going to be an Indian person next week. And she, you know, between there's her and then, um, I forget her name, the Navarian president on Discovery, mm. who's another fantastic Vulcan or well, Navarian, but you know what I mean. Vulcan, mm-hmm. like she's the two of them have, have been, you know, and I, you know, and I said this about Ethan Peck too, right? I'm still. Part of me hates to say this, but I'm I'm not 100% sold on him being Spock, really. I think I think it's the voice, kind of. But aside from that, like he's a really good Vulcan. He plays a really, really good Vulcan. Um, and I know well, he's, he's playing Spock, but it's like... He's a half-human. But you know what it is? Zachary Quinto, to me, looked enough like Leonard Nimoy to where I just believed that's... Yes, I, I think... Yeah, he didn't particularly sound like him. Nobody sounds like Leonard. No, he didn't particularly. But Ethan Peck is very good. I just don't think he resembles Leonard Nimoy too much, right? But Mm. it's not. I'm not going to be like, oh, he's not playing a great Spock. I'm I'm not saying that. I just. I felt Zachary Quinto was a little bit is a little bit more faithful in sort of his, at least how how he appears, right? But um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, he'll grow on me over time. I liked his... He's a little too built. I liked his Spock on Discovery, like, with the beard. I'm like, this is like Spock before we yeah. even knew him, right? I know, yeah, I like that too. So yeah. now it's, it's yeah, a little more pressure now that he's wearing the blue and right. exactly. he's got the no beard. Yeah, it's fair. Right, because back then it didn't matter, right? It didn't, you know, because he was... Yeah, it's like, all right, this is young, uh, rebellious phase. Correct, Spock. right. But once he put on that uniform, I even I even remember in Such Sweet Sorrow when he came on the bridge, I was like, "Hmm, yeah, it like looked kind of like a Halloween costume." Because when you know, when that scene a really ended, good Halloween costume when that scene ended with him in his quarters and he, you know, you saw him like running his hand through his beard, you knew what was coming next, right? And I thought to myself, I kind of don't want him to lose the beard. 
I kind of oh, like yeah. I kind of like this look he's sporting. I like this sort of shaggy Spock look that he's got going. I would on like to see him in uniform with the beard. I mean, right. I don't think it's against regulation, right? And so no, Robert April has a beard, right? He does. Riker. Okay. Um. So, oh, when on, so when he came on yeah. the bridge, I was like, I was like, that's when I was like, he doesn't really look like Leonard, like Spock, and I, you can get past that when he has a beard because you know, but when once he came out in the uniform, I was like, hmm. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, okay, it's Spock, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's just like, mm. so. Yeah, he's working for me. He's, but he's working but for it's, me. He's still working. I'm not going to say he, because he, he's not bad. It's not bad. It's just, I, I, it's still, it, it's taken me a little bit, while, a little while to get, to get, to get adjusted, I think. This is a bit of a, um, not connected, but anyway, speaking of wrong portrayals of Spock. I was in a, my local Target yesterday, and I saw a Funko Pop movie scene set of Spock's death. Yeah. And I think it's all wrong. Really? That's too... Yeah, what? I don't know. That's not a moment that should be in, made into a Funko Pop scene. Oh, you're saying... Okay, I thought you meant like... You're saying the idea of it is wrong. I thought you meant like... Yeah, the, the idea of it. Yeah. The idea of it's wrong. It's that's not a scene that you'd do a fun little cute bobblehead with. That's too powerful scene. Right, because people were devastated when that happened. Also, yes, as, as I've mentioned many times, the first time I cried watching a movie was yeah. Spock's death. So I'm I'm a monster. I never cried at that scene. I gotta tell you, I, I never. I guess did. so. Yeah, I guess. So. I think it's because I yeah. I saw the original series films slightly out of order. Okay, so I, I think it was sort of like. Oh, knew I knew he did came back. See, right. I didn't know. Yeah, I was very young. Also, my parents just sort of let me. Uh, Here's HBO. Go entertain yourself. Was my childhood. <laughs> Your Netflix of, of the day, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It was um, like Netflix of the day. Well, because you said when the, when we started doing this Thank podcast, heavens. that's how you sort of became a fan, right? It was watching the films. Would you have like four up to that point? They were on HBO a lot. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The films being on HBO a lot, and of course the reruns of the original series. Right. I had a family friend whose son lived with the family, my mom's friend, and mm -hmm. he had uh, Twilight Zone VHS tapes and Star Trek VHS tapes. So yeah. when I would go there, and my mom and they would be hanging out, I'd be able to watch Twilight Zone and Star Trek. Remember, so remember that, when you had? That a, remember too. that time we did a Twilight Zone podcast? I do. That was great. I I, I liked it. You you didn't. I've, <laughs> so. Um, well, the show got canceled, so... Anything more you want to add on Spock and Dupran before anymore. I get to the last part of the story? Spock and Dupran. I did uh, really like... Oh, I really liked the moment when Spock was able to tell Dupran, and maybe he didn't even fully realize it, this himself, that the reason he loves if he loves Starfleet so much is because he's accepted there. He was never accepted on Vulcan fully. Um, so I thought that was a very that was a very nice scene. And it was neat too that they had already switched back. So it was it brought them closer in their relationship, this which I, I think was very nice and yeah. keeps with the theme of the whole episode. I do think now I, I'm left to wonder, and this is my, I might sound like I'm contradicting myself for the other people's complaints, but I think this is more significant. But yeah. this now makes me wonder 
is this the same lady who a few years later is gonna say she wants someone to fight Spock to the death? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like the same person. Yeah. Yeah. She's gonna it's gonna be Kirk and Spock who do it. Yeah. But yeah. it I mean she has to, we she has established her doubts that like maybe you're a human side is not going to work for me but it seems like here they've come to a great place with it they seem like a very happy couple yeah i think the body switching did it for them maybe yes. helped and then they were that. able to be honest with each other right so that's why i wonder wouldn't she just be honest with them instead of challenging him or i guess they were it was like a they were obligated because of their arranged birth i don't know there's a lot to it so the last point um there isn't really much to it, but uh, kind of Christine Chapel and Ortega's li and Mbenga's little outing. I mean, it didn't really take up too much of the episode, but it was just nice to have them to get a little bit more of them just doing stuff. I'm very sad we didn't get any Hemmer this week. Oh, I'm fine with that. Oh, God, dude. He's like my favorite. He's becoming my favorite. That's fair, but think yeah. about this story. Where the hell would Hemmer fit in this story? It's true. It's true, right? Yeah, he's yeah. hammer. He's a grudgeon. He's a curmudgeon. He, he probably doesn't, doesn't want to leave that engine stuff. room. He doesn't want to leave that engine room. Yeah, and he doesn't want to. Oh, I'm supposed to think about other people's feelings. Like what? Yeah, I, I suspect yeah. that Hammer is the kind of person who does not like to take breaks. Yeah, and I do love it. Right? Don't force a character in. Don't right. give us them just because. Right. Just so you, long as they don't you feel like you need to. I just don't want. And again, I think it's different because we're dealing with episodic stories here. But don't pull a jet reno on us and oh no you know throw them away and then only bring them in when you need something i think it might be more like a scotty yeah than a jet reno maybe yeah i hope yeah but yeah so i think but that's fine but um the last thing i want to mention and this is more of a question i want to pose to you um so i said at the top of the mm -hmm. show that we're now halfway into the season um, I know we don't do mid-season reviews on this show. Sir. But at least not in great detail. But now that we're halfway into the season, what... How are you feeling about the show? Um, perfect. And... It's not, that's not the high praise that it may seem like. It's just perfect in that it's working. I'm looking forward to each episode. I'm getting to know the characters. I don't think everything about the show is perfect. Nope. But I think it's... <clears throat> it's... I don't have any major complaints. There's nothing I want to get in there and totally rearrange. And thank, you know what I just realized? Not only have we not seen George... We haven't even heard George mentioned. Thank God. Oh, I know. We were... See, yeah, I mean, I think... But biggest, you know what? I hope... It's better without George. I think we, we, gotta, we gotta admit that now. See, and what I just and said... And what about, we mean is George Kirk. Right. It took me a second. I'm like, George who? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, but when... It goes back to what I said about Hemmer, right? But if they do that with George, whether they do with Reno, I don't care. Because my our complaint, I mean, and but I had this complaint before we even saw the show. 
I said, if I could, if I have one complaint, it's that it's this show really wanting to connect things. You can just see the writer winking at you. And I mm-hmm. said, George Kirk does not need to be there. Dude, yep, we're already rolling. We're rolling with Uhura. Okay. Uhura didn't we're even We're rolling have to be with Khan's great great granddaughter. Right. Like I was willing. Don't to, make us take a Kirk too. Because you said way way back when we got the first trailer for the show that introduced us to the characters, you said we were talking about the the decision to use legacy characters and you said i think that's cool it's not something i needed but it's fine right i was willing to be like to be like all right well okay if it were me would i put her there not at least not right away right i would have started with the crew from the cage right and then maybe as time went on we gradually this it's like it's too much of the original series already right yeah Oh, it's very weird. Yeah, like we've yeah. said, we don't want a situation where that whole crew's been humming along and then Kirk just shows up out of nowhere. Right. Because it doesn't have that vibe. It feels like more like a crew that has built up together. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, because, I mean, I could see in a future season Scotty coming aboard and being, as you mm. said, you know, serving under Hammer. And I, you know, and I... As we get closer to the original series of time, I mean, it would make sense. I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's not so much like I have a problem with them doing what they did. I think it's more I have a problem with them doing it so soon. Yeah. Yeah. I could see you doing because I, I, I said this way, 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 way back when the show was announced. I said maybe as the show goes on, before we even knew who else was going to be there, I said maybe as the show goes on, as we get closer to Kirk's Enterprise, we begin to see the crew show up in lower ranking. Uh, positions who just gradually move up the ladder and so by the time Kirk gets there they're kind of you know already in place right because that stuff's not clear it wasn't clear how they got there right? right and I think I even said you know is there a prime universe version of the events of what happened in the in the first Abrams Trek film right is there a version of that that happens here yeah. right that yeah. gets them all together but mm-hmm. um, they, I, I was going to say, uh, this is where I think they should stop, but obviously they're not going to because James T. Kirk is going to be there next season. Right. So Here's one thing that kind of bums me out. I kind of think that in my brain, it would make sense that McCoy and Kirk got there at the same time. Because like they film. seem to have a special friendship. Right. Um, that I think would make sense if they were the new the newbies on the ship together, and so they bonded in that way. Or like something. maybe but, Kirk requested McCoy join him on that ship. Like maybe if Kirk's the captain and then he selects, yeah, sort of maybe he had already career, worked with him, or there are positions he has to fill. Or they were both just the new people, and even though he's the captain, he was kind of like, well, here's this guy who I don't right. know, they get along for whatever reason, right? They both like to drink massive amounts of hard liquor. Because I don't know if Mabenga and McCoy are supposed to be the same age. I don't know about that. Um, yeah. I, well, from, people can get moved to a ship when they're older, too. When Mabenga's in the original series, I sort of get the feeling that he's younger than McCoy, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah. You know, D. Kelly was a smoker. He may have just looked older than he actually was. Yeah. So, but plus, you can yeah. get transferred at the end of your career. You can get transferred to another ship, I'm sure. Right. Well, and somebody have- complained one time, like, how come 
how does Mabenga go from being chief medical officer to not being? And I'm like, he just takes a new job someplace. He comes back. Like, by the time he comes back in the original series for two episodes, McCoy's already chief medical officer. So it's not like Mabenga's going to say, move out of the way, Leonard. I'm now chief medical officer. He's on yeah. board for maybe, a, for like, I said, he's not even there all the time. He's in two episodes. Maybe he just comes back for special assignment or something, you know? But he's doing yeah, research or medical research, research or something. Or like something that, right? or, he's not, yeah. state, he's just doing a short tour on the Enterprise. And also, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's not fucking. If so, it bugs you, it bugs you. I gotta say, if there were some things that bug me, so I, I kind of do understand. You never, when there's something, here's the thing, if it's something that is like a personal favorite of yours or a character that you really like, and then they do something different and that bothers you, that's one thing. I guess when it's just, I know that this doesn't fully line up, so I have to point it out and right. pretend that it's important, even when it might not be. That's the kind that bothers me a bit. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. And then I think... I, I say this a lot, a version of this a lot. If this is what we're complaining about, this is what we're complaining about, I think the show's in yeah. a good is in a good place. Yeah, I love it. A reaction shot of Nurse Chapel in a second season original series episode didn't line up with what I think because, Nurse Chapel should have reacted based on what I just saw. Because what we're complaining about, really, and I say complaining, you know, in, in quotes, I mean is it is it what other people Right. Is this inhib you and me, is this inhibiting our enjoyment of the show? No. No, not at all. Mine are very minor little things. George Kirk? Okay, but it's not making me enjoy the show less. No, and my George Kirk thing is more, I'm worried about what he could do later, not what it's, he's done so far. It's the potential ramifications that could come of it. Right? And the potential for lame stories. Because you have to remember that when in the menagerie, when um, he's at, Kirk is asked if he ever met Chris Pike, Kirk says... I met him, I think his line was, I met him when he was promoted to fleet captain and Spock's over the Soviet. So when he's promoted to fleet captain, to me, implies around the time Kirk takes command of the Enterprise. So... Yeah. You know, if the show's going to dance around that, whatever. Big whoop. Yeah, but okay. we'll be... This is an emergency and we're going to promote you to fleet captain for this one, you know, situation. <laughs> Right. And then right after a that, the commission. door's open. I'm like, hey, I'm James T. I'm here to whatever. Right. Well, again, I think, I forget the, I forget the years. I, I think, if, I don't know if this lines up or not, but if it does, you know, if, if the Enterprise comes to the rescue to the Farragut during the Farragut disaster, fine. Kirk doesn't necessarily have to meet Captain Pike at that time because he's just the captain. But that could be when Kirk and Spock first meet. Right, and then reconnect. I don't years later. I mean, I don't. It. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't want to. Spec I don't want to start to get down on things that haven't happened or might not ever never happen. But is, I like, don't really want to see that. I don't. I don't like <laughs> them sort of playing fast and loose with canon like that. Like, it, like in other words, like taking it too literally, where it's like, "Whoa, yeah," but nothing says we can't do this. And it's like true, but that doesn't mean that yeah. you should. <laughs> I think I will mention yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi for the third time today in this episode and um yeah you don't want them to be saying like well it is true from a certain point of view what's going on there i i've, I've read something about there seemed to be some continuity issue that people were complaining about i don't know if that's oh no i just i'm just quoting him and how he lies to anna oh, oh, to oh. luke you know and then he says well from a certain point of view what i said was true it's like if the writer starts saying well from a certain point of view we stayed with canon 
you know, because he was fleet captain for five minutes and Kirk came in right after that or something. Right. That, and um, then Pike gets go like it's a field commission. Then Pike goes back down to command. Yeah, yes. I don't, yeah, I, I, things like little things like that they could do and be like, see, we didn't violate it. Yeah, but I mean, I think the way I look at that is that well, Kirk is a lieutenant at this point, and Pike is a captain. Unless Kirk is serving aboard the Enterprise, I don't think that they really run the risk of, you know, crossing paths. But I mean, well, all right, but he also is like good buddies with his brother. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I know that's that's. If the you're thing. good buddies with someone, and then their brother shows up, you're not. You might be like, "Oh, I want to meet your brother." It's one thing if you're a writer to make a mistake, but it seems like they're aware of this. You kind of you're afraid like they're aware of this and they just don't care and they're just gonna ignore it. Yeah, it's more important. It's more important that we get Kirk in there. When I don't want Kirk, I want well, this is the Pike show. Give let's have some time with Pike before you start bringing in Kirk. But it's again, it's not clear. We're not gonna know for a long time. Yeah. What? What? Why Kirk is there and even for how long he's gonna be there? Right. It, it could yeah. be. It could be one episode for all we know. Because don't forget, this show does episodic stories, right? So he could just be there for one episode and him and Pike never even cross paths. That's true. It could be like a, a George. But I will say this. And, and James episode. But I will say this before we wrap this episode up. The photos, the leaked photos that we've seen of him, Kirk, he's with Leon Noonien Singh. Oh, so I haven't seen that one. So right there, you're like, well, wait a minute. Space Seed, when they're learning about Khan, Kirk. Okay. But I mean? yeah. when. You meet someone at work, and maybe you have like assignment you have to do with them. Do you know who their great grandfather is? Well, it goes back to what I said before, right? I, mean, I don't. When people mentioned this, like, well, how come it was never mentioned in Space Seed? Well, I mean, the real reason because it was written yet. But I said at the same time, what would Leon may be useless? Oh, she was a Noonien Singh. Who? What, who was she? And she did this. Oh, well, that doesn't help us at all. Does she know anything about her grandfather? Like, no. Does right. she have any augmentations? No. Does he know who she is? No. Okay, well. Right. Dead end. <laughs> right. Bring yeah. it up if yeah. it's useful information. That that's what you do in a in a meeting, right? If it's not useful information, you don't bring it up. Like Yeah. And we don't see it's a fictional show, so we don't see them run down every lead that doesn't lead somewhere. Because you know what it is? People are on the lookout for continuity violations, but I will say that They've these shows have done an excellent job of not violating continuity one bit. They really have. What what shows? These new Trek shows have not no killed right. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would I would agree with you that they haven't, but I would not agree with you that they've done an excellent job. Sometimes I think they've taken very silly ways, like. It's illegal. We'll say it again. It's illegal to mention they Michael Burnham or right, Discovery. But like, I guess my point is they haven't really. And if anybody wants to try to um, send me examples, I'm totally fine with that. But they haven't really contradicted anything. In other words, like where we see something happen on one show, this show says it did. This new show says that never happened, right? It's nothing. What you're talking yeah. about is again sort of like that fast and loose approach to Kennedy. Or how how they went about it. Right. Exactly. Was right. goofy. Like nothing on the level of like Chekhov knows who Khan is in the Wrath of Khan, despite the fact that Chekhov was not on the show yet when Space Seed came. So they shouldn't know right. each other. Or right. 
fourth time I'm going to mention Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Um, when Obi Wan Kenobi said has a, his uh, Anakin's lightsaber and says to Luke, "Like your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough," and it's like, "Well, your father didn't know he had a kid, so he didn't want him to have his lightsaber." Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So it makes that scene weird now. Yeah. A little bit. Well, Ben lied. He didn't want him to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and how he says, like, he, he, he doesn't know who R2 is. That's the other one. Hmm. But he might have just been hiding who he was, and he had to say no, because, you know. But see, okay, but see, here's the thing. You just came up with a theory as to why that is so. Now, isn't isn't that fun oh, to yeah. do? That's true. That's fun to do. Sometimes, yeah. If there's one that makes sense, yes. Right. If you can find an in-universe explanation for it that may even fit the character, then sure. Yeah, he had been hiding out for decades. He was so used to just denying everything about his past. Well, aren't there other R2 units? Yeah, but come on. It's R2-D2. I know. <laughs> Look at all the adventures they've been in together. And R2, you know, R2 would just be like, bro, come on, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> dick. You're such a dick, Obi-Wan. <laughs> you know R2 was probably swearing. Oh, I'm sure. Um, very cool. Well, uh, anything else? Oh, I have one more thing to oh, say. Oh, go yes. ahead. Go ahead. Um, I don't know if I haven't noticed this before, but maybe this is also a different director with a fine pedigree, but um, boy, the lighting was great in this episode. Um, there was a scene, the lighting in the direction, there was a scene that at first I thought it was a little silly, but then I really liked it. Um, we have Una and La'an in the mess hall, and the camera starts under a table. And it slowly backs up and pans up and pans across the mess hall to them at a table. And it's cool cause just because we get this different angle on the mess area of wherever the frig they were. I guess, yeah, they were still on the ship. So we get a new angle on the mess area so we really get to see it. And then it kind of comes in on them, and they're looking at a pad, I guess, or whatever version of pad, and there's this glowing thing on the table, and the light was coming from the glowing thing on their faces, so, like, the real in-camera light source. And it looks so good, and I think... Um, we don't see a lot of that. In Trek, especially for use of the washed out well, they have 90s era. Yeah. Washed out but lighting. It was just, very, yeah. It was just soap opera lighting, as they call it. But it was just, and I'm sure just on Discovery, they've used good lighting also. But I don't know. I just noticed that this one, very, very good well, direction. Think, but with this show as well, like they don't do anything kind of picking up with what you said. They kind of, they don't also don't do anything crazy with the camera. Right, like Discovery, it's like this weird, like winding, starting upside down. It's like, what, what is this? What are you doing? Yes, and unless right? that that serves the story in some way, then right, you're just you're just uh, wanking. This show is not doing these sort of crazy camera moves or anything. It's it's very no. kind of it's in a weird way. It's still, while it does do some interesting things from time to time, on the whole, it it is kind of camera wise feeling like one of the older shows. Um, yeah, yeah, but they're giving us also some great scenes. I'm thinking of the one, the last negotiations with the Enterprise in the background. Oh yeah, yeah, that was amazing. I'm thinking of when um, Una and Laana are signing the Scorch, and then the sail ship, yep, the solar sail ship comes, yep, up over them. Also, 
really really cool and um but they do some other things like remember when they're in the turbo lift and they're both yelling to get to the they do a split screen of them looking directly at each other which i liked um yes remember yes. In, remember in picard we were talking about it was in stardust city rag and discovery i think did this a few times too there was a very odd editing technique that i just did not like at all it was when they were planning planning out what they're going to do when they get under free cloud but as they're planning it out it's cutting to them actually doing it remember it was like oh, going yeah. back and forth and i'm like what is this what are they doing yeah that was weird yeah then we're gonna wear disguises and it shows them like walking through the door yeah right I yeah. didn't. I didn't like. I, I got what they were doing. They were kind of, in a way, like. Yeah. I, I think it was like a time-saving thing. Yeah, and it would have made the planning scene kind of boring if they're just talking about right. it. And then, like, first we're gonna watch them talk about it for five minutes. Then we're gonna watch them do it for five minutes. Right. But even while they were doing it, they were like, there was still voiceover accompanying it, and I'm like, yeah, it's almost like a little Ocean's Eleven or something. Right. And I'm like, I don't like this. I don't. This is really taking me out of the scene. This is really jarring right now because I want to see what they're doing in the scene stop yeah. narrating so, it to me as you're doing it that's a good point so they're staying pretty linear right time wise on this show yeah i believe right i mean sometimes we get visions pike's visions but yeah. those are make sense and it, well, i think they're dreams sometimes and we got spock's dream but other than that and we got some flashbacks i believe from um Laana, but she was also having PTSD, so it made sense. Right. So yeah, I think everything's been very clear, and they're not doing anything unnecessary as far as it moving feels, the time around. Watching the show, it feels very much like a day on the Enterprise. Right. Yes. It just exactly. Feels like, yeah. Yeah. We're not seeing any crazy. Um. Yeah. It's just one, one interesting thing I just noticed once again. And here, it's, I don't mind it. In other shows, I've minded it. But we're never getting the antagonist's perspective. Right. You know, often we would go onto the ship of whoever they're dealing with, and then we see what they're up to. And then we're oh, back yeah, to, yeah. to yeah. the Enterprise. We never... That just doesn't ever happen. We've hardly. never really had antagonists. I mean, we've had the Gorn. Well, we had some antagonists today. Yeah. Today. This episode, rather. Yeah, yeah. I could see if this were a next gen episode, I could see us seeing them back at their ship, right? Talking about something, right? Like planning. So something, it's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's a. I wonder what that's about. I wonder if that's sort of a directive or you know something they're doing on purpose. Are you saying so? Like for example, if they were going to be facing off with an enemy, or like say with the Gorn, for example. Even though we didn't see the Gorn, but if we did see the Gorn, you'd want to see like the Gorn planning something on their ship. So we sort of know what the audience knows what they're doing, but the enterprise crew doesn't know what they're doing. Yes, yeah. I guess so. Like in yeah. balance. Of and I'm terror, not saying they, I want it. Yeah. It's just, we always got it before. Right. Balance of terror. And now we, we spend know. balance of terror. We spend some time on the Romulan bridge as well. In exactly. Addition to the enterprise. Yeah, I, I get that. I don't know that there's been an episode that really calls for that. My opinion, maybe the Gorn episode, but I kind of like that. We didn't see them. I like that we didn't see them. Also, yeah. I think it added to the terror. And then we're not yeah. supposed to see them, right? Because they hadn't interacted with them officially. Well, the audience can see them. They just can't. I mean, I don't know if they can or not, actually. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the a audience good point. can yeah. see them. Yeah. It was like. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can see everything. It was like with the Romulans on Enterprise. Like, you can't have the humans and Romulans interact, but the audience can see the Romulans. Yes. And I, f I feel like we got a lot of scenes on Romulan ships in the original series. Yeah. Klingon yeah, yeah. ships. Right. Right. 
but I get I so, get what you mean. So I I don't I know if I need they, it. Well, I hope they do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if this is something that I haven't noticed. This is just a new thing about TV. That they don't do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. That's just something for someone to uh, investigate. Let's hope they do it. Yeah, one day I'd like to see some antagonists. Yep. I want... guess one reason probably is that it costs a lot of money to make all these see, different you know, bridges. You're making me think of, um, for some reason, you're making me think of uh, when they show the Borg lower decks. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, So, but actually that's it was just, what... It was just silence. I thought about <laughs> lower decks... And that's yeah. what actually made me um, make that last comment because I realized, well, they do it all the time on lower decks, and I realized the lower decks they just draw it; it doesn't cost anything. Right. Um, well, Strange New Worlds is they gotta they gotta at least build a set; they gotta at least have someone work out the the well, cost to draw screen that's, graphics. That's, that's time. <laughs> yeah, it costs to draw, but it's a lot less to draw it than it is to build a set and build the yes, one, AR yeah. wall. Less and people all can that. do that. Yes, I, I, I know what you mean. Then, as opposed, costs to, a lot less money. Yes. Yes. So um, that could be it. I've forgotten about that. The the uh the Borg lower decks seeing that in the credits. That was great. That was really that was very fun. That was really funny. I gotta watch because that was that was like the penultimate episode that we really, really enjoyed that season where they were showing the other lower decks on the other shows. Yeah, it was one of the most clever episodes. It, and that was that one sorry, I know we're over time. That was the one when I, I remember I told you I'm like that episode was like 25 minutes and I felt like it was like an hour long because there was so much happening in that episode and I couldn't believe that was all fit into 25 minutes. Yes, and we were spending time on the Vulcan ship or we were spending time on Cerritos. We were right. Time. Yeah. It was like Vulcans. Episode. It was Vulcan ship Cerritos and I think a Klingon lower deck ship as I recall. Oh, uh, yes. That was hilarious. Yeah, wow. That was a lot. That's what it was because I remember saying to you, I'm like, I need a Klingon. <clears throat> I just need yes. a Klingon lower deck show. Yes. Yeah. That was remarkable. It was a Simpsons level packing in the story. And you said to me, I actually need a Vulcan's lower deck Vulcan lower deck show instead. Yes, that's a, that was fantastic. Because you had seen a whole level of humor that I that just went right over my head. I was like, they weren't very funny. And you were like, No, they were, because they were saying all these things, but in a very Vulcan way. And I was like, Yeah, and it was wow, hilarious. I just that's didn't ridiculous. even I'm like, wow, I just didn't even see that. Yeah, well being an English teacher helps sometimes in life. Not much, but every once in a while. I think I was just too into what was going on that I wasn't seeing the humor in there. And I was like, yeah, so. Um, one second. All right, very good. Well, that's going to do it for this for us on this episode this week. Next week, it's going to be the sixth episode called Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, which sounds very much like an original series episode, like kind of in the vein of let that be your last battlefield. Yeah, this is exciting. I wonder what it's a. Uh... There is a, a preview. There is. Or I'm being lied to. No, there is. Yeah, okay. they released one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to do that though. Right. But I think go, so everybody go watch it this, and uh, enjoy it. Based on the what preview. I've seen in the preview this week, it looks like it's going to be that episode that we've seen in the uh, trailers for the show. Where they go to that sort of like medieval style like oh castle fantastic. you know like it's like it's like you know the very nice like garden and stuff like that and uh, like Roman yeah. has that Roman feel to it like I think like that's so they're Greece leaning into of... the original series in the middle of the season here yeah 
because you and I had Love said it. based on the trailer that we saw for the series, I remember I said to you, I like that we're seeing, if, if that's indeed what it is, aliens using like swords and shields like we did on, mm-hmm. um, the, on <laughs> the original series. But what I thought to yeah. myself, and I could be wrong about this. Whoa! Maybe it's them visiting Rigel 7. I just saw Pike kiss a lady. Yep. Yeah, no, I don't. It's not the it's not the medieval one. It's not. But, okay. No, but it still looks cool. Looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, thanks everybody, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye.